glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. First John 5, let's start reading verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I believe when he goes into verse 14, it is really, it's attached to what he said in the end of verse 13. He said, I'm writing to you that believe. You already believe on the name of the Son of God to assure you that you have eternal life. But I'm writing unto you that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Meaning, Christ is not only in you and you in Him to secure you eternally. He is in you. So there's, there's a twofold belief in Scripture. You believe on Him unto salvation. You believe on Him, and that is a receiving of Him. But there is a continual believing on Him, and that is following Him. How many know that salvation and discipleship are not the exact same thing? We have new versions of the Bible saying, Go into all the world and make disciples. They leave out, preach the gospel, teach all nations, teaching them. They just say, make disciples. Well, if you break that down, there's a three-part to making disciples. You teach them the gospel. When they believe it, you baptize them. And once they've been baptized, then you teach them to obey. How many know it takes belief to accept the gospel is true, put your faith in Jesus Christ? It takes belief to obey him in baptism, and it takes belief in him to obey his commandments. These things are right unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may... Believe on the name of the Son of God. The job of the Christian throughout his entire Christian life is to continually put confidence in Jesus Christ. Confidence in Him to secure your eternity, but confidence in Him to answer your prayers and to guide you and direct you and empower you. The Christian life is a life of faith. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith, by confidence in the one we cannot see, but in His Word. And so then, we'll give you four things tonight about prayer not all from 1 John 5, 14 and 15. We're going to go to a number of places. If you can't keep up turning your Bibles, you might want to jot these passages down to look back at later. But I'm going to give you four things about prayer tonight that I, I prayed and do pray will help you. So first of all, and we've already alluded to it, but if you want it for outline's sake, the priority of prayer. Let me just give you this. We, we understand that to God, all right, maybe not to us, but to God, pre, us praying to him is a priority. He wants it to be at the top of the list of priorities for us. So that, you know what, you may have to, this is what fasting is. I can skip a meal, but I can't skip prayer. Do most of us think that way? Naturally, we'd say, I can miss prayer today, but I can't miss a meal. It's the other way around. We, we, we'll be all right. We'll live without food, but you can't live without communication with God. Man should not live by bread alone, meaning you're not only physical, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, that's Scripture, but if you're going to have the illumination of the Spirit of God, you're going to have to pray. And so then, the Bible makes it very clear, prayer is a necessary component in your life. If you want to live an abundant Christian life, if you want fullness and fruitfulness, you're going to have to be a praying person. Everybody that knows you should know they're a praying person without you ever having to tell anybody. You don't have to tell anybody, I'm going to go pray. You just should be a praying person because that's what it means. It's part of our Christian life. It's one of the things most emphasized in Scripture about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's one of the things he emphasized to his disciples while he was on earth. It's one of the things that you hear the Apostle Paul writing. Paul says, I pray, he prayed for everyone under his care. Uh, he prayed for their spiritual strength and their spiritual growth and for their protection and for their spirit to be well in their soul and their body. I mean, Paul is a praying person and we understand uh, that prayer is emphasized in a tremendous way in the Bible. We won't go into a lot of detail, just give you some facts that will help us understand the emphasis in the Bible. Some form of the word pray is used 174 times in 165 different verses in the New Testament alone. Some form of the word pray. Now, when you get into the Old Testament, it's often used more like someone, I I pray this person to do this. It simply means to ask or to entreat someone in its simplest form. So it's not always referring to prayer to God, but most references are in reference to someone praying to God. Over 500 uses of the word pray in some form in the Bible, 174 in the New Testament alone. If you get into the Gospels, I think it was a hundred and between the Gospels and the book of Acts, 106 references to praying in those, in those five books. Now that ought to tell us the level of emphasis there is on prayer. The Lord Jesus told his disciples in Mark 13, 1438, when he was in the garden, watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. We are told pray without ceasing. That sounds to me like something that is very important to God meaning you are to constantly be in a state of prayer. Don't ever get to the point where you give up on praying. Now, why do you think the Lord has to tell us that? Because we'll pray, and when we don't see the effect we were asking for or looking for, we'll be tempted to think prayer doesn't work. I've prayed, I've asked, and God did not answer. I was taught growing up, and it's truth, God always answers. Sometimes his answer is silence, but that alone is an answer. We ought to pay attention when we've prayed and aren't getting an answer. Why? There's a reason. And we'll get to some of the reasons we prohibit answered prayers. But sometimes it's simply because God's timing is not our own. My mom used to say to me, God's either giving you a green light, a yellow light, or a red light. You've heard that before. It's either a go, yes, a wait, or a no. What I would say is sometimes you're not getting a light at all because there's a disconnection there. And we'll deal with that in a little bit. But my point is... God puts a tremendous emphasis on prayer. So the first thing I want you to ask yourself tonight, is prayer the priority to you that you find it to be in Scripture? Meaning when you look at how the Lord Jesus Christ emphasizes prayer in his word, is that how I emphasize it in my life? Do I see prayer, me speaking to my heavenly Father, communing with him, either thanking him, confessing sin to him, uh, praising him, or petitioning him, whatever it may be, Do I see that as being as important as God does? The psalmist David said that evening and morning at noon will I pray and cry aloud. We find that Daniel, the the prophet, prayed three times a day. Now, you can schedule three times of prayer a day trying to make yourself feel spiritual, and that's not what we're talking about. But I'll say this. Prayer will not become a priority in life until you make it one. How many of you think it is a priority or is important to go to work so you can make a paycheck and pay your bills? Is anybody with me tonight? <laughs> All right. How many of us think that's important? You know how we reveal that's important? We schedule it and we make sure we're on time for it. We do that with anything that's important. If prayer is not scheduled in your life, it's because it's not important. We just need to know that. We schedule What is important? I'm not talking about putting God in a corner. I'm talking about making time for something. Schedule is an intentional making of time for something. Is that correct? 
What I schedule is me saying, I am going to make time for this. We all have the same number of hours in every day, every one of us. And we make time for what we truly believe matters. So what we make time for is what is important to us. And God knows that if we don't intentionally... Look, I don't have to... I'll be honest with you. I don't have to make time to eat. I'll find it. My stomach starts growling and I will find time to eat. I may be driving down the highway when I do it, but I'll do it. I'm going to I'm going to eat because I know that's important in my body. But you know what? I believe as you grow spiritually, you begin to get a spiritual bellyache, a hunger, and that's your soul craving the Lord, and you're going to have to go in prayer and commune with God so he can feed you as you need to be fed. There ought to be a spiritual hunger that leads us to prayer. Prayer is emphasized in Scripture at a tremendous level. So what we must ask ourselves is, is prayer as important to me as it is to God? And I'll be honest with you, in our natural state, the answer is no, it's not. We have to learn from the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God to prioritize what He prioritizes. In Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things should be added unto you. Our prayer does not, many lessons can be taught on prayer. Maybe sometime we'll go through a series of messages on prayer. But uh, we are not to pray by just mere ritual like the Pharisees did, meaning to be heard or to be seen of men. That's why we go in our closet to pray, so it's just between us and God, right? But the fact is, there needs to be a time to pray. If you pray, if you study uh, Abraham there in Genesis chapter 18, I believe it is, the Bible says he went unto the place where he prayed meaning he had a designated place and a designated time that he went and talked to God. You'll find that throughout Scripture. The Lord Jesus was want, he was often in the garden. He had certain places that he knew he could get completely alone and pray. Sometimes, sometimes, my place to pray is walking down a gravel road way away from my house (laughs) because I can be completely free of distraction. And I encourage you, make sure you have a place to pray. Make sure you have a time to pray. And that should be early in the day before you get your day going. Why? Because it's that important to God and it should be that important to us. And so, and it won't happen if we don't prioritize it. So the priority of prayer is seen through its emphasis in Scripture, but it's also seen in the number of times that we're exhorted to do it. I'm just going to give you a handful of examples. These, um, these are just a few. I've already mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5, we're told to pray without ceasing, but we find a few others. Matthew 5, or Matthew 7, 7. We'll come back to this verse later. Asking it shall be given you. Seeking ye shall find. Knocking it shall be opened unto you. That's prayer. Amen? Asking, seeking, knocking. Uh, Mark 14, 38, which was referenced already. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. In John chapter 14, Jesus is instructing his disciples before he leaves. And by the way, his physical absence was to them a call to greater prayer. I'm not going to be here physically. You're going to have to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit and commune with him. And that is done through prayer. John 14, 13, verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 13. John 16, 23 and 24. John 16, 23 and 24, he says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Uh, James 5, 16, we referenced earlier. Uh, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Again, 
pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore. I mean, the exhortations to pray. You can look in Ephesians chapter 6 at the end of our, of our command to put on the whole armor of God. The last thing he says is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with thanksgiving. I mean, over and over and over we are told to pray. Not only told by command, we are given the example. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3 uh, tells the, the Ephesians how he was praying for them. In Colossians chapter 1, he tells the Colossians how he was praying for them. Let me say this about praying by, by intercession. I'm just going to interject this. You say, I'm having a hard time loving people like I should. Pray for them. I, I, I guarantee you, you pray for them and your love for them will grow. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Prayer is a way to invest time in people. Time that you know about and they don't. Amen? And I'll be honest with you. If we're not careful, we get out, we got caught up, and I'm confessing a fault, and get caught up in praying for myself instead of praying for someone else. It is vital that we pray. It is a priority to God. And if prayer is not, I'm going to tell you something. More than ever in the perilous times we live, God's people must be praying people or we're a defeated people. Period. End of story. If we are not a praying people, we are a defeated people. That was true 2,000 years ago and it's true tonight. Why did Peter ultimately fail to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ in a moment of testing and trial? Because he refused to pray. And he refused to pray because he had confidence in who? Himself. When prayer is not my priority, it indicates that I trust my flesh. I believe I can do the will of God without God's strength. Therefore, a lack of prayer is self-confidence. That's, look, I am preaching to you what has been preached to me. And this is, but here's what happens. It's not just a, well, it's true of me. No, that should change our behavior then. You know when prayer will become part of your life? A faithful, consistent part of your life? Rocket science. When you make it so. When you decide that what Christ has said is important enough to you to act on it. I, I've been talking to my wife about this. I've been talking to my kids about this. Uh, I hear in Brother Jeremy's letter the same concept. We, we make the Christian life, we make Christianity way too complicated. Way too complicated. If you're saved, this is why I believe James is talking about when he talks about the perfect law of liberty. We act sometimes as Christians like we cannot do right. Like we can't. Oh, it's just too hard to pray. I can't. No, can't is often code for won't there's a vast difference in there the law of liberty says you're going to be judged not by what you can't do but what what you could have done but wouldn't do that's the perfect law of liberty in james chapter one who shall look within the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein he not being a being not a forgetful here but a doer of the work this man should be blessed in his deed what that perfect law of liberty mean the context of that is you've looked into the, the mirror of god's word seen what was wrong and didn't do anything about it though you could have now listen, don't, don't miss me tonight, church. This church needs what I'm preaching tonight. We need to understand that negligence of doing right is as wicked as commission of doing wrong. We will not be judged by some law of, well, I couldn't, and God's going to hold me accountable for what I couldn't do. We can pray if we will. It just has to become important enough to us to do it. Prayer is a priority to God. It must be. It must be a priority to us. We see it's a priority through the emphasis it's given in Scripture, through the number of times we are exhorted or commanded to do so in Scripture, the priority of prayer. Number two, if you go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, we see the position for prayer. 
the position for prayer. And I think we understand this here tonight, so I won't belabor this point. But 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have, and what are the next two words? In Him. The reason we can be confident in prayer is because we're in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Who here tonight can be um, effectual and, and fervent in prayer? Anyone that's in Christ Jesus. I'll just illustrate that. Hebrews 4.15 and 16. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Don't you love that verse? It communicates that Christ is without sin, but there's a reason that verse is there. Our, our confidence is not based upon our performance. What will happen is you go to pray and you'll think, huh, why should I pray? I have done horribly this week. That's why you need to pray. What happens is sin gets into our life. Listen, God's not hearing your prayer in the first place because you're sinless perfection. So when you know there's sin in your life, enter into prayer by confession. <laughs> Get things right first that you might have prayer. But the point is this. We don't go in prayer in our own name. Hebrews 4, 15, and 16 is an explanation of what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Let me just explain this. Praying in Jesus' name is not a magic tagline for the end of our prayers. We do say it habitually, but you need to be thoughtful about what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name. It means, dear God, Father, I am asking you for the things not based upon who I am, but based upon who Jesus Christ is. He told me that if I would ask you, you would give. So based on his name and his promise, I'm asking based on Christ's account with you, not mine. Does that make sense? Christ has authorized me. If I go to God and say, God, it's never, he's going to say, I got nothing to say to you. But if I say, I'm coming because Jesus Christ is my Savior and I'm coming to you through him and by him, that's what Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 is all about. We are not coming on our sinlessness, but on his. We have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, because of his righteousness, let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many of you today are in your life in a time of need? I would be. And if I asked you tomorrow and we're honest, we'd lift our hand. And if I asked you the next day and we were honest, we'd lift our hand. I need bread from God every day. You know what's interesting? In my prayer closet... He really does not give me enough wisdom and knowledge for the next year. He gives me enough for the day. You know why? Because he gave me enough for a year. He wouldn't hear from me till next year. You know it's true. That's who we are. So he says, I'm going to give you enough for today, and then you'll have to come back and talk to me tomorrow. And then I'll give you enough for that day, and you have to come back and talk. You know what that tells us? God wants fellowship with us. That ought to delight our soul, that God actually wants to hear from me. He does. He wants to hear my grateful heart. He wants to hear my faith. He wants to hear my love for him. He wants to stir that in me. He wants to teach me. There's all kind of things that happen in prayer, but they don't happen if prayer doesn't happen. And so we have a position in Christ Jesus. Our, our forgiven position, our righteousness in Christ, gives us access to God the Father. Outside of faith in Christ, you know, people out here say, oh, I talk to God every day. Not if you've not come to Christ yet, you don't. You may talk to the ceiling and say you're talking to God, but you're not talking to God until you've been born again. So we have a position. It's a sanctified position. We're in Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, 
who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So he's our mediator, our intercessor. We go to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a sanctified position. It is, of course, a settled position. Colossians 2.10, we are complete in him. So meaning we are positioned before we were outside, alienated from God, and God wouldn't hear our prayer. But upon faith in Christ, it's like this. We were condemned criminals. And so while you've got condemnation over you, you have no right to ask for anything. You really don't. God's going to He's going to keep you alive as far as that's concerned physically, but you have no right to ask God for anything. You're condemned. You're, you're not a, a child who has a right to ask for anything. But once you've been pardoned and now you're a child, your standing with God has changed. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have not only been told we can, we've been told to come and ask for the things we need. And so then that position will never change. We're always positionally in a place where we can pray. And that, that settles this. Then if we're not praying as saved people, it's not our, our pardon or position that's the problem. Let me read this very quickly. 1 Peter 3.12. We'll move along. 1 Peter 3.12 uh, says back in verse uh, 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil, and so on and so forth. And so the idea would be if you're righteous, that has to do with your, your position of being saved. God's ears are open to your prayer. Now let me just say this. We'll get to our prohibitions here in a minute. There are things that prohibit our prayers from being answered. When a righteous person begins to live like an unrighteous person, it can hinder our prayer. We'll get to that in our final point. But we do have a position that we can pray from, and that is in Christ Jesus. Number three, so we have the priority of prayer. Number two, the position of prayer, and that's in him. This is the confidence that we have in him. But then we have some promises concerning prayer. Promises concerning prayer. Again, Matthew 5, 7, uh, 7, or excuse me, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Let's go over and read that. And this promise is repeated. It's a, It's really... A command and promise attached, but Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So if we're running into a, a wall, and we need, there's no way forward, knock. Ask God to open the door. Uh, we don't have an answer, ask, and we'll receive. You need something? Uh, ask. You can't find something? Seek and you'll find it. But here's what I find. Uh, there is a call on us to initiate prayer. And we'll say more about that in a moment. But the call is this. God wants us to pray. Again, I think that's abundantly clear. He wants us to come and speak to him to express, again, gratitude, to be honest about sin, to agree with him and be reconciled to him in fellowship when he's given us light to say, Here's who I am as your heavenly father and here's my will and here's where you're at and what you're doing to agree with him and get things reconciled to say, you know what, I've been wrong. You're right. Get back into fellowship that happens in prayer to tell him what our needs are and to ask him. He wants us to, but it's amazing. It is a condition. So we're called to pray, but God has given us conditions for answered prayer. You say, wait a minute, I'm in Christ. Well, yes, but in Christ... Because we're in him, God's our heavenly father. He said, this is the kind of prayer I'm going to answer. I'm not going to answer just any prayer. This is the kind of prayer I'm going to answer. So if I'm instructing my children, here's how you get things from me. Some of my kids help me. If you want something from me, what's one of the number one ways you will not get it? 
What's that? Ah, you nailed it. My kids know me. Hinting. Okay, so I've got a box of donuts. Ooh, Dad, those look good. They are good. Boy, I wish I wish I could have one. I do too. And I bet you're enjoying those, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Are they just for you and Mom? No. Can I have one? Sure. Right? Is that the way it works? Huh? Why? Because that's not the right way to go about it. We're being sneaky. Just be open. You want a donut? Ask for it. And the answer is either yes or no. Nine times out of ten, I bought them for you and not for me anyway. Right? Uh, the point, point would be this. God has some conditions on how we get things from him. Another way, my kids aren't going to get anything, and I'm a, I'm a sinful man who lacks understanding, but you're not going to get anything by demanding it. It's my right. No, there are certain things that we'll provide, and I'll provide because that's my responsibility. But when you demand, I want this out of a selfishness. So we have conditions even as, as humans. There are certain things. If I know what you're asking for is going to hurt you, my answer is going to be no. Right? So we learn that from the Lord. But there are conditions on prayer. Let's consider a number of those. Number one, first condition, this is huge. We must initiate. We must initiate. Now, this may seem oversimplified, and I think we would blaze right by this point. The Bible does say God is willing to give. God is willing to reveal, and God is willing to open doors for us. But we must ask, we must seek, and we must knock. God says, if you want something from me, and you want me to move on your behalf, you're going to have to ask me, you're going to have to seek what what you're after in prayer, and you're going to have to knock. And, and, And knocking has to do with repetition, right? You don't just go, am I right? You go, And if it seems like he's not hearing, you know what you're going to do? He wants us repeating. Ask, seek, knock. Again, another message could be preached on that, but we must initiate. Some might say, boy, especially if you're a Calvinist, well, God already knows what I need. Well, sure he does. In fact, he even said so. Let me ask you something. Why do you think, if God already knows everything I need, I'm talking about physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, he already knows everything I need then why do I need to ask seek and knock if he already knows? If he's willing to give it to me, if he's willing to give it to me, he says, ask and I'll give it. Seek and you find, knock and shall be open. He's willing to give it. He knows what I need. Then isn't prayer just a useless point that reveals that I've got to you know, grovel to God and beg him for things? That's what the atheist would say. Then why pray? Prayer does not benefit God. It benefits us. How many of you know what you ought to ask for? A lot of times we know not what we should ask for as we ought. That's why we have the Holy Spirit to instruct us and say, ask him for this. Lord, I'm asking you, please, please make this trial end. No, no, don't ask him to make the trial end. Ask him to strengthen you to endure it. Ah, Lord, please make this stop. No, no, don't ask that. He's not going to answer that. Ask him to help you go through it. Ask him to give you grace to bear it. Ask him to purify you by it. These are the things we learn in prayer. We don't know what we ought to ask for. And you won't know until you ask. Sometimes my children ask, uh, Dad, can I go with you to the store right now? No, you can't go now because I already know I have planned to take them somewhere else later. But they're not going to find that out unless they ask. There's sometimes they ask and it's they shouldn't be asking. We say, no, don't ask right now. And again, we as, we as parents can learn that. And we, we're very limited in our understanding as the Bible says, we being evil know how to give good gifts. But here's the point. We need to ask because it is, a, it is a demonstration of trust. 
It is a demonstration of submission. And it is how we learn what we should ask for. There's a host of reasons why we must ask. You don't need to understand why. He said, I'm not giving till you ask. <laughs> right? And I'm not going to show until you seek. And I'm not going to open until you knock. And so we must initiate in prayer. He's not going to initiate it for us. He may remind you, the spirit that dwells in us crieth, Abba, Father. He's going to remind you, you should be asking your Father for what you need, but we must do it. We must actually go to God and ask for those things we need. And so what would you think be the number one hindrance in our life? I said slothfulness is a tremendous hindrance to prayer, but I think there's a deeper root sin that keeps us from praying. And I don't think it's hard to figure it out. It's a taproot of every sin. What would that be? Pride. I want to be able to do this on my own without having to ask. I want to be able to figure it out. How many have ever found yourself doing this? You go to God in prayer to educate him. Lord, you know we need. Now, Lord, would you please work in this person's life this way? Now, if you're praying on the word of God, that's fine. If you're praying according to what you know to be God's mind, that's fine. But many times we feel like we are informing God when in fact prayer is more about informing us. I really believe that. It really informs us. We, we learn to ask for the things we should and it draws us nearer to God. And so then we must ask, meaning we must initiate. We must ask in his name, meaning we must ask understanding that God doesn't give us anything because we deserve it. We, he gives us things because we're in Christ. He gives us things because of Jesus Christ, not because of us. Not because we're great, because if not, we think the person that is getting a lot of answered prayer is one of God's little favorites. No, the person that's answering prayer understands who Christ Jesus is, takes him at his word and says, Father, the Lord Jesus told me to come to you and ask these things, and based on him and who he is and what he's done, I'm asking. And then the Lord Jesus intercedes on our behalf, and so we must ask in God's authority, the way he wants us to come, uh, based upon who Christ is, understanding we don't ask through arrogance or pride, but in dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? we, must, we must initiate. We must ask in the Christ's name. We read that earlier in John 16, 23 and 24. Number three, we must ask in faith. This is key. Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 and 22. We must ask in faith, a meaning you don't go ask God for things wondering if he's told the truth or not. Faith not, here's what the charismatics do with this. You figure out what you want, and then you really, really, really believe that God will give you whatever you ask for. Belief is not initiated by what I want. Belief is initiated by his word. We need to get a hold of that. Faith is initiated by his word. So when he's talking about asking in faith and asking believing, it's like this. When you got saved, you asked believing. He said, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You had to come to a point where you believed, if I trust in Jesus Christ, he will save me. There came to a point where you believed that if you would call on the name of the Lord, he would save you. You believed it. You took God at his word. You actually believed God told the truth. So you asked, Lord, would you save me, believing that he would? And guess what he did? Why, then he saved you, because you asked in faith. Now, once we're saved, it's no different. He's, look at James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it might be given to you. No, it shall be given to you. Wisdom, I've tried for much of my life, Christian life, to define wisdom. It's, you have to have wisdom to define the thing. Knowledge is the attainment of facts, truth. 
Understanding is understanding what those facts mean. Wisdom is having the capability to apply what you know and understand into your decision making so that you are you are making decisions today that are going to bless you in the future. It's decisions made today based on truth and understanding of those. So wisdom is the practical application of truth to my life. Amen? I mean, that's, that's a definition, I think, that works as you define it from Scripture. And so then when it, comes to, when it comes to wisdom and getting it from God, how many of you need more of what I just described? The ability to take what is true and make it applicable to my life. God says, I'll pour that on you liberally. I will fill you with wisdom if you want it. Do you want, how many of you ever meet somebody and say, man, they have so much wisdom. They have so much wisdom. I, I, I look at my dad for years. You, you want some practical counsel, someone that's able to see things as they are now and understand what it's going to look like. You keep on this road, this is where it's going. So if you make that decision, this is what's going to happen. So you better not make that decision, it's where it's going to end up. Very practical ability to take truth, apply it to life and say, and by the way, I've seen that wisdom. And you say, man, how's a guy like to get so much wisdom? He's just born that way. Prayer. Asking. Wisdom doesn't come from man, does it? Wisdom is not birthed in man. It doesn't come from man. It comes from God. And so if we're going to be rich in wisdom, we must ask. And that's what he tells us, Matthew 21. My point was we must ask in faith. You've got to believe the promise that he said, if you ask me for wisdom, I'll give it to you. Uh, Matthew 21, 21 and 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you should not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer. What's the next word? Believing ye shall receive. Uh, if you look at, um, let's, let's look very quickly at one more because it just words it a little bit differently. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 11, very quickly. Mark 11, verse 24. Mark 11, 24. And again, so then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I, I don't believe people, that what God is saying there is that if you want to have superpowers to go like throw things in the ocean, you can. That's not what he's saying. Uh, the Lord Jesus had a, a very specific divinely appointed purpose for cursing a fig tree and making it die. Therefore, it was, it's like Elijah. He said, at thy word, Lord, at thy word. And he called down fire from heaven. Meaning, it was not Elijah's idea to say, I'm going to show you what kind of prophet I am. I'm going to call down fire from heaven. God told him to call down fire from heaven. He believed that if he obeyed God, God would send the fire. That's the same with us. There are certain things God's told us he'll do for us. There are certain prayers he said he will answer. We must take him at his word when we ask him. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. He says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And he talks about the need for forgiveness in verse 25. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I do see a direct connection there. If we refuse to forgive in a very practical way, then God's not going to forgive us. We're going to see fellowship restored with God if we're not willing to forgive those who've wronged us. And so the, the conditions for prayer, we must initiate it. We must ask in Christ's name. We must ask in faith, believing that God's told the truth, believing in his capability, not in our own. We must ask according to his will. We read that in 1 John five fourteen already, but we'll read again. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. By the way, that's what it means to ask in faith. That's what it means to ask in his name. If you wanted to put all these under, what does it mean to ask in his name? 
in faith, trusting his word according to his will. You and I can't just... Prayer is not us getting God to do what we want. It's really a tool for God to get us to do what he wants and to accomplish his will. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Prayer is about seeing God's will done, not our own. It's very important we understand that. Prayer is not a way to bend God's arm behind his back and get us get him to do what we want him to. Prayer is a way for us to submit to God and see God's will done in our lives and the lives of those around us. One of the problems, one of the reasons we don't pray then very much is we really don't want his will. We want our own. That's a, that's a major problem in prayer is that we really don't want his will. When you want his will, you'll start praying for it. And it says, is it his will that laborers would be sent forth in his harvest field? Then we'll pray that way. May I say this? If we're not praying that way and we're knowledgeable of his instruction to pray that way, it's because we don't want what he wants. At least we don't want it enough to ask for it. And so then, by the way, he wants us wise, doesn't he? We need to ask him for it. Make me wise. Give me wisdom. So we must ask in faith, must ask according to his will, and then we must ask from the standpoint of an obedient life. We need not confuse this with our position in Christ. But how many of you know in Christ you can be out of fellowship with God? Your position in heaven is in Christ, but your practice on earth is disobedient. That's what 1 John 1 was all about. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Walk has to do with how we're living, our practice. And so if I am not obedient, we'll get to that negative part in just a moment as we wrap up. But God says, I get my prayers answered because I'm obeying. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John, I don't know the scripture that could be plainer on this. God especially and specifically answers the prayer of his children who are obeying him. Here's what we want. We want to be able in our flesh to pick and choose when we obey God and pick and choose when he answers our prayer. It doesn't work that way. Prayer is about God's will being done, not our own. We'll say that again and again. 1 John 3.22 And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. And then there's the word because. I don't know about you. If I'm interested in effectual prayer, we need to pay attention to what comes next. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. If I'm willing, if I'm going to do what's pleasing in his sight, say, I really want God to hear my prayer. I really want to answer my prayer. Then do what pleases him, not what pleases self. And that blesses the prayer life. It enriches, it gives effectiveness to the prayer life. And so then John 15, verses 7 and 8. I'm just going to read that quickly and we'll come and, and, and wrap up here shortly. John 15, 7 and 8. The Lord Jesus is saying essentially the same thing when he's talking about abiding in him. Abiding is speaking of fellowship. Not parting ways with him. Not coming at odds with him. Not disagreeing with him. John 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. That's the condition. Ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so should be my disciples. How many think bearing fruit there includes winning other people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Now I wonder, I wonder if there is a lack of seeing others one to faith in Christ because we're not specifically asking the Lord to use us to do that. We ought to ask ourselves, how often are the things I'm asking for things that I am absolutely certain I know are His will? What if you ask the Lord something like this? Lord, you've commanded me to humble myself. That is not natural for me, but because I want to do your will, I'm asking you please to teach me how to obey that commandment, and I will. I'll humble myself. 
How many would be a little afraid to pray that prayer? We shouldn't be. We know it's God's will. Lord, you've told me to be patient. That's the one thing we're told to never pray for. Not in the Bible. It's just what people, don't pray for patience. God will answer you. Yes, he will. How many of us need to be patient? We all pray for it. And so then, we ought to ask, according to his will, the things that he wants. And so often, we're so busy asking for the things we want and not seeing them come that we think prayer doesn't work because we're not asking for what he wants. We're asking for what we want. How many of us know God wants us to be holy, pure, undefiled, godly? That should be on every person's daily prayer list. Lord, please empower and enable me to live the holy life today you told me to. One that's pleasing to you, not to me, not lived in response to the world, but you. All right, so the priority of prayer, the position of prayer, we're in Christ Jesus. The promises concerning prayer were called, but there are conditions to that. We must ask, we must initiate, we must ask based on the authority and the, the, the person of Jesus Christ. We must ask in faith according to his will, from an obedient life, a life that's pleasing to him. By the way, I've met people that say, well, that's, you know, I'm not doing what the Bible says, but God's answering my prayers. No, he's not. You're seeing things in your life you think are answered prayer, but God doesn't lie, and he doesn't bless disobedience in prayer. The prohibiting of prayer. Four simple things that prohibit our prayer here. Number one, the first thing that prohibits prayer, what do you think it is? This is, this is rocket science. Not doing it. It's a number. That is such an issue that God has to actually say, the reason you're not getting your prayers answered is because you're not asking. You won't get what you don't ask for. That helps us understand. He meant it when he said we have to ask. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. <clears throat> you see, when things are done in answer to prayer, rather than in in, in we're pro- we like to solve problems. And when you and I can work out our own problems, we know that we did it. When things are resolved in answer to prayer, God has to get the glory. And so then, James chapter 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and ye have not. I mean, you want something, but you can't get it. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You're striving and killing to get what you want, but you're still not getting it. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because? Yes, not. Then he says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. I mean, it's wrong the way you're asking, that you may consume it upon your lust. Meaning, you're asking me to grant your lust, and I will not do that. So I've heard people talk about God answered their prayer to divorce their marriage and give them the the woman or the man of their dreams. No, he didn't. Satan set you up and you followed his track, but God did not give somebody their lust. Amen? Just because, just because we're, we're able to do something doesn't mean God answered the prayer. Uh, Jonah was able to get passage on a ship down to Tarshish, but that doesn't mean God did it for him. Amen? Uh, and so then, uh, simple refusal to pray is the first prohib- prohibition to prayer. Secondly, selfish reasons in prayer is the second prohibition. God will never answer prayer that's based upon our lust. Number three, sinful rejection of the word of God is a reason God refuses to hear our prayer. Proverbs 28, verse 9, and we're almost done. Proverbs 28, verse 9. Two more verses. Proverbs 28, verse 9. When I refuse to hear God, he refuses to hear me. You need to pay very close attention to that truth. Proverbs 28, verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer should be abomination. 
I think of how many people attack the law of Moses today. The law of Moses is never a means of salvation. We know that. But how many know what the Bible says about the law? The law is good. First Timothy chapter 1. The law is good if a man use it lawfully. Meaning if you use the law for its intended purpose, the law of the Lord uh, is perfect, converting the soul. You know what the law of the Lord will do? It will turn you to Christ. There are many today attacking the law, the law that's there to show you you're a sinner. Oh, we're not under the law. Of course we're not under the law. We're under grace, but we still need the law to show us grace. And so then when I, when I say I'm not going to hear the law, I'm not hearing it. I don't hear about the law. The law, law, law. I don't know any restrictions. By the way, I think that has to do with the law of Moses. That also deals with the law of, of liberty. God has laws, absolutes. And the, the ear that refuseth to, heareth the, to hear the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Basically, if I'm not going to listen to the Bible, God's not going to listen to me. That's the basic premise there. Then finally, sinful regard in prayer will prohibit my prayer. Psalm 66, 18. I can only imagine some of the hyper-dispensationalists of our day saying, well, what you're about to read is in the Psalms and it doesn't apply to the New Testament Christian. We're in Christ and God would never turn his ear away from us. Well, that's not what he said in James chapter 4 and that's New Testament. (laughs) Amen. Uh, These all go hand in glove. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity... In my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Meaning, if in my heart I'm still defending sin and looking to sin as something good, I regard it. I long for it. I've got my eye on it. It's got my attention and my affection. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But, verse 19, verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God which hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. He ends there saying, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I'm, def- if I'm unrepentant over sin, God's not going to hear me. However, you know, the psalmist says he did hear me, which means you can pray with your heart right toward God and get your prayers answered. So we've seen tonight the priority of prayer, the position for prayer that's in Christ, the promises concerning prayer were called, but were given conditions, and then the prohibiting of prayer. A refusal to pray will not, will not have prayers answered. Selfish reasoning in prayer to consume it on our lust? No, he's not going to do that. I think that's the same as regarding iniquity in my heart. It's really almost the same thing. And then a rejection of the word of God saying, I don't want to hear what God has to say. Then God's not going to hear my prayer. Uh, I believe we're living in willful sin, willful disobedience to God. Don't expect God to be hearing your prayer. He may be hearing the prayers of others on your behalf, but he's not hearing yours. Amen? We need to understand these things. There's so much more can be said about prayer. But this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions. We receive the petitions we asked of him. Meaning, you can know when you pray you're going to get what you asked for. Isn't that great? When you and I know we're asking according to the will of God, we can know we're going to get what we're praying for. Then it's very important for us to learn and know his will and pray accordingly with our hearts submitted to his will. Mm-hmm.